0: Again, it's good to see you tonight. Before I actually get into my lesson, I did have one other thing that I wanted to mention. You know, this morning at the end of the service, uh, Connor spoke to us a little bit about the new out that we have for the congregation. And we're excited about that. And we have, I don't know how many, I didn't count, but we had a number of people who downloaded that and had uh, put their information in today. But one thing I did want to remind us of, and that is this, when you look at the church side, especially, it has contact down at the bottom. You can use that to send us any prayer requests that you might have, any announcements or anything like that. That will come directly to me, and that way we can, if we need to, put a, a push notification out and, and let everybody else know. But that's a simple, convenient way. Just pull out your phone, go to contact type in the message, and uh, uh, it'll come directly to us. And so I'll get it through the email, get it on my phone, and all of those things. And so just remember that. You've got a, pretty much a direct line to us when you need to, to send some information so that we can get it out, get it in the bulletin, get it out if we need to as well. Tonight, as we continue our lesson, we are continuing our thoughts on the battle belongs to the Lord. We want to we do that. But uh, I think we have got the wrong lesson up there. (laughs) We need to go to 31 and not 3. As he's getting over there, we're still going to be in the book of Joshua anyway, but uh, the children of Israel have come to the end of their years of wandering in in, in the wilderness. They have spent 40 years there. You know the story, know it quite well. And now it's time for them to go into the promised land and to actually possess it. And so in order for them to to make preparation, in order for them to to be able to go in and take the land, Joshua sends in two men as spies so that he can do a little bit of reconnaissance and know something about the city of Jericho. Now, everything was in the hand of the Lord. He was going to take care of them. We have the advantage of of knowing that, you know, all these years later. But he is in the position of having to plan and do all of the things. And so he sends these two men to spy out the land, and he gives them instructions in chapter 2 to pay special attention to Jericho. And, of course, they do go to Jericho. They are there, and while they're in Jericho, they are befriended by a woman by the name of Rahab. And I just want to say that Connor spoke about Rahab last week, last Sunday morning, and he talked about how, you know, we are to forget the past, and he said sometimes we focus on her past, and we're going to do a little bit of that tonight. She focused on the present, but God was focused on her future, and that is a wonderful, wonderful thing, and we appreciate Him, and I don't want to minimize that, but I do believe there's some uh, additional lessons that we can learn from Joshua chapter 2 and from the life of Rahab the harlot as we understand more about the battle belonging to the Lord and us putting things into His hands and allowing Him to help us as we live our lives here on this earth. And so tonight, we want to spend our time in Joshua chapter 2, and we want to, we want to learn two or three lessons that, that are good for us and beneficial for us, that will help us along life's journey. So we're talking about some lessons from Rahab the harlot. Number one on our list, and as we think about it tonight, I want us to see that God can use people with sordid backgrounds to accomplish His will. God can use people who have done things in their past that are not good, not right, and sometimes they are, they are profoundly sinner. I mean, they, they have done some really bad things. I want you to notice in Joshua chapter 2 at verse number 1 what the Bible says regarding this, uh, this particular situation. Joshua the son of Nun sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and came to the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and lodged there. As you look at that passage, the Bible says they are, they, they are there. They, they are in the house. They stay at the house. They, they lodge in the house of a woman who is known as a prostitute. And you know there are some who, who want to soften that a little bit. They say that that this woman was not really a sinner, she was not really a prostitute, she was not really a harlot, as the, the King James says, but she was merely an innkeeper. She, she, she hosted the local uh, folks who or the people who would come into the local town, and, and, and she had a sort of a bed and breakfast kind of thing. Uh, she wasn't necessarily a prostitute, she was just an innkeeper. Well, I beg to differ with us just a little bit because of the way that the word is used throughout the Old Testament. If you were to do a word search in regard to this particular woman, what you're going to find are passages like the ones that I'll bring to your attention. In the book of Leviticus, chapter 21, verses 13 and 14, God gives instructions as to who a priest could marry. And I want you to read along with me if you have your Bible, but listen if you don't. Leviticus 21, verses 13 and 14, And he shall take a wife in her virginity, a widow or a divorced woman or a woman who has been defiled or a prostitute, these he shall not marry. But he shall take his wife, a virgin of his own people. Now, it doesn't really make sense for God to say that a priest that, that he is to marry a virgin, but he can't marry a divorced woman, he can't marry someone who has been defiled, and he can't marry an innkeeper. I mean, does that really make sense when you put it into that context? He, he can't marry someone who, who runs the local motel. No, it doesn't really make sense when you think about it from that standpoint. Proverbs chapter 6 at verse 26. Words used again there. The Bible says, For the price of a prostitute is only a loaf of bread, but a married woman hunts down a precious life. Now, as he's talking about staying at, a, at the local innkeeper's inn for the price of a loaf of bread. No, not in its context. You understand it. He talks about a wife and how she's looking for purity for, for being the one who would be precious but but then again there's another passage there's several of them but I'm simply pointing out some tonight if you have your Bible turn to the book of Hosea chapter 1 at verse 2 Hosea chapter 1 at verse 2 if you were with us as we were studying uh, through the book of Hosea you you know something about the story of Hosea and his wife Gomer but the Bible says in Hosea chapter 1 at verse 2 when the Lord first spoke through Hosea the Lord said to Hosea go take to yourself a wife of whoredom And have children of whoredom, for the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. The words that are translated whoredom there, the same word that's used in regard to Rahab, same word that's used in the book of Proverbs. And so, does he tell Hosea to go and marry an innkeeper? Because, now watch this, it really gets exciting here, because all of the land has become innkeepers. No, the point is they had forsaken him, they had gone after idols and false things, and so God calls them what they were. They had prostituted themselves. As a matter of fact, every time this passage is used in the Old Testament, or this word is used in the Old Testament, it speaks of a person of ill repute, somebody who has done something that is false or something, you know, of a sexual nature as well. And so, when we're thinking about Rahab, we're thinking about a woman who didn't have a good reputation. And, and the Bible itself recognizes that. But God uses her to accomplish His will. God uses her uh, to, to allow these men to, to do their reconnaissance, to, to spy out the land. But then notice this also about her. Not only does the Bible say that she was a prostitute, but I want you to understand tonight, here's a woman who didn't mind lying. She didn't mind lying. Okay. Now think about what the Bible says in regard to the story that is here. In chapter 2, verses 2 through 7, we continue to read the story and, and we know that word regarding these spies, has gotten to the ears of the king. And so he sends a guard over to her house and says, deliver these men, send them out. And you remember what Rahab did, don't you? Rahab, she said, oh, they're not here. She said, they figured this thing out, and just before evening, when we shut the gate, They went running out. Closed it up behind them, and I don't know where they went. I don't know where they went. Some have tried to even make that a little less than a lie. They say it's simply a military strategy that that she was using, and so it was okay for her to do that. Unbelievers, though, they try to point out or assert at least, the Bible sanctions lying for what she did. But I would remind you tonight that God never sanctions lying. Matter of fact, in the book of Revelation, chapter 21, at verse number 8, the Bible says, but as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and then he says... And it's the only one that he specifies. And he says, And all liars will have their portion in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Here's a woman. She was not a good woman to begin with, but she didn't mind lying either. And and try to soften it as much as we may. I want you to understand tonight, God never sanctioned her lying. God never justified her for her lying. As a matter of fact, the only way we would know that she told a story, a lie, was that God decided to have it recorded for us in His Word. Otherwise, we would never have known it. But as we think about her life, It's not the lie that God commends her for. It is the obedient faith that she came to have that God commends her for. Now, let's explore that just a little bit and let's think about it. Think about what the Bible says. In Joshua chapter 2, beginning at verse 9 and going through verse number 11, the Bible says, And said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, and that the fear of you has fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the kings of the Amorites that were beyond the Jordan, the Sion and Og whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, And there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, He is the God in the heavens and above and on the earth beneath. Here is a pagan prostitute who now confesses that God is God. And because of her belief that God is the God of heaven and the God of earth, she begins to take action. She hides the people. And so when we turn to the pages of the New Testament, it becomes even more clear. When you turn to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, at verse 31, the Bible begins in this way in verse 31, By faith. Rahab is put in the same category as Abraham, as Moses, and several others who are there. Every one of those great Bible characters did something by faith. Same is said in regard to her. By faith, Rahab the prostitute, by the way, there's that word again, even in the New Testament, not just in the Old. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient, because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Why didn't she give the friendly welcome to the spies? She knew they were from Israel. She knew their God was the God of heaven and earth. And so as a result of that, she took them in, she hid them, and then she sent them out to safety. It was because of her obedient faith that God commends her, not because of her lying. How did I know that it was her obedient faith? Well, I also read the book of James. In James chapter 2 at verse 25, And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she had received the messengers and sent them out by another way? You see, it was obedient faith. She didn't just believe that God was God. She admitted herself that many in her own town, in the town of Jericho, that they had heard the mighty deeds that God had done and opening up the Red Sea so that all of this group of people could walk across on dry land and then he destroyed the Egyptians. They had heard what God had done to, to the two kings of the Amorites, Sion and Og. All of them, the Bible says, she said, we have heard that and everybody is afraid. But not everybody in her town believed that God was the God of heaven and the God of earth. That he was the true God. If you notice those passages, she begins talking about herself. She says, we, that is, the people in town have heard. And then at the end of that passage, she is the one who confesses. The God that is leading you, he is the real and true God. And as a result of that, I am acting on your behalf. God never sanctioned the lying. You see, God allowed her to be saved from physical death when the children of Israel marched in and took the land, in spite of the fact that she was a liar. Her faith grew. Do you remember what happened to her? When uh, all of Jericho was destroyed? They went in, they took her, and they basically made her one of them. Chapter six. She came into their camp. She became one of them. God can use people with sordid backgrounds to accomplish His will. Just think of any number of people. What about the people on the day of Pentecost? Their hands were stained red with the blood of Jesus. Think about the Apostle Paul, previously known as Saul. Great preacher of the Gospel, but he had been a persecutor of Christians, Think about many of the church members at Corinth, the Christians who were there. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, they had been very immoral people, but they had changed. It's very likely that this woman Rahab, the more that she learned about God, that is the God of heaven, the God of earth, the more she learned about him, the greater her faith increased. And the farther and farther she got from that old lifestyle of prostitution and lies. You know what? That's not any different than us. We put off the old and put on the new. We get rid of the old sinful man and we start trying to live as best we can like Jesus. God can use people with sordid backgrounds to accomplish His will. He did with her. He did with these others that I've mentioned, And folks. No matter what any of us have done, in those former years, those former days, God can forgive us. He can use us in His work. And he will let us come home to be with him for eternity. There must be that change in our life, though. And So tonight, as we think about this story, we need to remember that God can use people with sordid backgrounds to accomplish his will. Number two, Rahab did not want to enjoy her deliverance alone. And you think about that. She acted alone, it seems, according to the first part. She was the one who knew that the spies were there. She was the one who lied. She was the one who who, who actually helped them get away. But she didn't want to enjoy her deliverance alone. You see, the only thing that she asked from these men in, re, in, in return for what she was willing to do for them is that when God gave the the land of Jericho, the city of Jericho into their hands, that they would save her and her father's household with her. Her mother, her daddy, anybody else, her relatives that were there. That's the only thing she asked. She didn't want to have that just by herself. Joshua chapter 2, verses 12 through 14. Now, when you, now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as you I have dealt kindly with you, you will also deal kindly with my Father's house. Give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and my mother and my brothers and my sisters and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. And the men said to her, Our life for yours, even to death. If you do not tell this business of ours, then when the Lord gives us the land, we will deal kindly with you. You know, when we gain deliverance from our sins, we have an awesome responsibility, but we also have an awesome opportunity, don't we? We have so many people who are near and dear to us. Do you remember, we mentioned Paul just a moment ago, do you remember what he did as soon as he became a Christian? Acts chapter 9, at verse number 20, the Bible says, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue saying, He is the Son of God. He wanted others to hear. God had a plan for his life. In the book of Romans chapter 1, verses 14 through 16, he said, I am under obligation both to Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish, Look at verse 15, English Standard Version. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are at Rome. He was eager. He wanted to. He wanted them to have the same salvation that he had. Because he goes on in verse number 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also... To the Greek. Have you ever made a list of people you would like to take to heaven? Who's on your list? Generally, you start out with family members, don't you? Those who are closest to you. And and, and then it goes to friends, co-workers, others that you are acquainted with. Eventually, it might get to those people who are across the ocean. But most often, we have the most influence on those who are closest to us. Those are the ones we want to go to heaven the most. If your house was on fire tonight and you had your family in the house, you managed to get outside, you may laugh at this in a minute, which ones would you want to get out? I mean, would you stand there and would you take inventory and say, yeah, I know he's in there, but yeah, but you want them all out don't you? Well, the house is burning down tonight. Let's call the world. Who do you want to get out of the fire? See, Rahab, she didn't want to enjoy deliverance alone. She wanted those who were closest to her to be saved from that awful destruction that was awaiting all of the people at Jericho. She wanted them saved too. But then, lastly tonight, we can use the same means by which we were saved to save others. Look at Joshua chapter two, verse 18. What did the two men tell her? Behold, when we come into the land, you shall tie this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down, and you shall gather into your house your father and your mother and your brothers and all your father's household. She had let them down so that they would be able to escape. And she was to tie that cord there. Have you ever noticed Verse 21. And she said, According to your words, so be it. Then she sent them away, and they departed. And she tied the scarlet cord in the window. How long did she wait before she put that thing up there? As <laughs> soon as they got out of sight, she was already tying the thing. So that they, when they came back, she didn't know when it would be. When they came back, she would be ready. That scarlet cord that was in that window was what they would see. And they would know, we don't destroy these people in this house. How would you learn the gospel? It may have been that you say, my parents taught me the gospel as I was growing up. Then may I suggest tonight, if you're a parent that you teach your children to, use the same means by which you were saved to save others? Maybe a friend invited you to a Bible study. Why not invite someone else to a Bible study? Maybe a coworker asked you about your spiritual condition? And you began a conversation. Why not ask a coworker about their spiritual condition? Somebody might say, Well, somebody gave me a, a book or a tract or, 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 or some other article. And I began to read it. I began to question it. And it may have been, you know, that I disagreed with it. And I set out to prove that it was wrong. And I learned the truth. When I was in school at Faulkner, there was a young lady... Who had been brought up in a denominational family. And we actually had the book of Acts together under Brother Leonard Johnson. Well, before the end of the semester, she was baptized into Christ. And and you know what she said in regard to that? She disagreed with Brother Johnson so strongly that she was bound and determined to prove him wrong. And so she started studying her Bible to prove this college professor wrong and she studied herself into the truth. Now a lot of people have done that but her story is a little different. When she obeyed the gospel, her family disowned her. Sometimes we can use the same means by which we have been saved to save others as well. Before we end, something just recently occurred to me. Matter of fact, it was last Sunday morning when Connor was preaching, and I don't know why it hit me sometimes. Preachers, when I'm listening, they'll say something and, and it'll spark something, and you know, and I have to go look it up and start thinking about it. But something he said just happened to make me think about this particular event. Look at Joshua two, verse fifteen again. In Joshua chapter two, verse fifteen, then she let them down by a rope through the window for her house was built into the wall, the city wall. Let that sink in for a minute. She let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was built into the city wall, so that she lived in the wall. Now you think about that. Joshua chapter 6 at verse 20, the Bible says, So the people shouted, the trumpets were blown. As soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpets, you remember what they were doing. Six days they had marched around not saying a word, blew the trumpet. Seventh day they marched around it seven times when the trumpet was blown. They were all to shout. That's where we are. They shouted a great shout, and the wall fell down flat. So that the people went into the city, every man straight before him, and they captured the city. The city walls fell down, so that all the children of Israel had to do was march straight in. What did these men tell Rahab to do? Gather your family up, keep them in your house. I the scarlet thread in the window that you let us down by. And the Bible is very specific in saying that her house was built into the wall. She lived within the wall. That never had hit me before, until then. Rahab and her family were to remain in the house which was built into the wall, and if they went out, that's when they would perish. They stayed inside. And so here's my point. Was Rahab's house the only section of the wall that did not fall? The only section of the wall that didn't fall. It didn't fall because Joshua sent the two spies into the house after the wall fell to retrieve her and her family. Joshua chapter 6, verses 22 and 23. They went into the house and brought them out. If that is the case, it is but another example of the power of God. He can make the whole city wall fall down except that one little section where the scarlet thread was. Wow. Didn't Rahab have a story to tell? What would you have done if you were in that house? And everything else started falling around you. But they stayed where God said stay. we can use the same means by which we were saved to save others. not just the scarlet thread in the window. It is being obedient to the Word that God has delivered. No matter what, even if the walls are falling all around you, I don't know about y'all, but to me, that's powerful. It is powerful. A lot of lessons we can learn from Rahab the harlot. One of which, and not the least of which, is that, man, when we're obedient to God, it doesn't make any difference if the rest of the walls are falling down around us. God can get me through it. Our whole thesis is, the battle belongs to the Lord. Do you need the help of the Lord in your life? you need to be on His side? Maybe you're here tonight and you're not a Christian. You know that you need to be. You want to be baptized so that your sins can be washed away. We'd love to assist you with that. Maybe you're here and there's something that's wrong in your life that you need to make right. No matter how bad you've been or how good you've been, God can use us. If you're here tonight and you need to respond to the invitation of the Lord, do it right now as together we